0: Good Evans, it's a Bobcast. Welcome to Episode 3. We made it to Episode 3, I can't believe it. So yeah, I just want to go through a few things before we get started. um, Because there's lots of big news I want to tell you about. Uh, First of all, the most important, or the the biggest news in, in my little world anyway, is that my new record car boot sale is out it's on shelves i believe it's on itunes um all the regular places where you can purchase records these days um so if you've bought it i hope you like it if you haven't bought it please do um i'm really really happy with this record i i know it always sounds like a sales pitch um, when talking about a new album but i really really believe that this record is as good as anything i've done before so i hope people like it um also too the other big news that i have is that i'm going to be touring in august with special guest melody pool who also uh, just recently put out a, a new record and she's just one of my favorite singers and songwriters going around at the moment so this tour is going to be awesome um it's in August we play I'm going to quickly do the dates okay so bear with me we are on Thursday the 4th of August at the Grace Emily in Adelaide on Friday the 5th of August Dunsborough Hotel Dunsborough on Saturday 6th of August Jack Jackrabbit Slims in Northbridge on Sunday the 7th of August Mojo's in Fremantle on Thursday the 11th of August the Foundry in Brisbane on Friday the 12th of August Newtown Social Club Sydney And on Saturday the 13th of August at Howler in Melbourne. Uh, So yeah, tickets are on sale now. You can get them by going to bobevans.com.au or just visiting the venue website. Uh, I'd love for you to come along. I'm going to have an ace band uh, with me um, starring on lead guitar Ash Naylor, who you may know from the band Even and his solo work. And he also um, is in the uh, Rockwiz live band as well and one of the best guitarists in the country and I'm also going to have on drums and and bass and keyboards uh, members of um, Eagle and the Worm and Dorsal Fins Uh, so yeah it's going to be a cracking band it's going to be lots of fun and I'm really really looking forward to it it's the first tour that I've done in three years which is (laughs) unbelievable but uh, the first band tour anyway that I've done in three whole years uh so yeah, it's gonna be cool. Um, uh, my podcast, of course. Thanks a lot for listening to the last uh two episodes. Uh the reaction's been really great. I can't believe it. Um it 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 also seems to be hovering around in the uh in the in the in the top sort of music charts, which uh I don't know what that says about the uh current climate of <laughs> music podcasts, especially seeing as though this podcast doesn't actually play any music, and half the time we're not even talking about music. But um, yeah, I'm I'm really happy that people are actually listening to it, and hopefully it's something that I'll just keep on doing for, for as long as people are listening. And also, too, on the touring front, just sort of uh, as an aside to the Bob Evans thing, Jebediah, my other rock and roll band, are going to be playing on day on the green in november and it's a awesome lineup umi something for kate spider bait jebediah the meanies playing wineries in most states of australia in november so if listening to you know 90s naughties uh, and and what do we even call the teens i don't even know 2000 um, and Music is your thing, um, and if drinking wine is your thing, I know it is mine, then uh, I reckon it's going to be pretty awesome, um, so yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to that as well. It's not until November, it's a long way away, but uh, but yeah, pretty excited about it. Um, okay, so, on to episode three. Now, with the last two podcasts that I've done, I've recorded this little intro thing um, after doing having the conversation so i kind of have an idea about what is going to happen but this is exciting right i haven't spoken to my guest yet i'm recording this just before we talk um via skype in just a moment and my guest is Lindsay McDougal, who you may know as, know as the guitarist in friends of Rome, and also he's was on he, he was uh on triple j as an announcer for years up until quite recently Um does a whole bunch of other stuff as well, which we're gonna talk about. Uh so yeah. I don't know what we're gonna talk about, actually. I don't as as I've sort of said before, I'm kind of just fumbling my way through these these bobcasts. But I've known Lindsay for a little while, so I think it'll it should be a, a pretty fun conversation. So let's get to it then. Thanks for listening to me ramble there. Here we go. This is episode three of Good Evans. It's the Bobcast. I'm joined for episode three of Good Evans. It's a Bobcast with my good friend <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay McDougall. G'day, Lindsay. How are you going? I'm good,
1: man. I, I must admit, I was a bit, I was very interested in what this was called, this podcast, yep. and that's so, yep. so. Good Evans. It's a Bobcast. Good
0: Evans. It's a Bobcast. Yeah. Um, anyway, look, to start things off, I want to just start things off by asking, what, what have you been doing today? Where do we find you at this moment?
1: It's good. It's, I'm glad you've chosen this day, because most other days, I would be, <laughs> uh, you know, I, or, I got, on, <laughs> got on Facebook, uh, walk the dog food. Walked
0: around in my jocks.
1: <laughs> oh, no, the, the, jocks, the, the jocks are the same. I've been in my jocks pretty much all day. I didn't get changed today. I haven't had a shower yet today, which is fairly filthy. Wow. Yeah, I yep. and I and I went to the gym this morning but I get this is I get caught up Jesus. in doing things. I get, really? yeah. Yeah, and my wife's been around That's- too, and I feel bad now. She's been in the house, and I've, I've just realized that I haven't had a shower yet today, obviously.
0: but it's like- so, um, t- Tell me about this gym thing. Is this like, uh, how long have you been going to the gym
1: for? I try and run three times a week, and I go to the gym once or twice a week and lift heavy things. Wow. You know, wow. It's, a, it's a thing that happens when you get to a certain age, and you're not the... It hasn't happened to me. Well, yeah, because you've got that tall, thin physique. Oh well. kind of that I'm kind of like you got that but you pushed it and in the middle bit just sort of went out it's uh, and also you know back problems various you know old guy things um, <laughs> <laughs> those things but no I, I, I actually I, I know a lot of running's not that nerdy I know your your mate from uh, from Jebediah Chris is a big runner.
0: that's true yeah Chris is kind of in in, in his later years has really um, mm. has, has really gotten into the running and he runs like. He's run a couple of half marathons. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, you're right though. It is a thing that a lot of a lot of people I know, as they are approaching middle age, to be honest with you, I did actually just start running a little bit a few years ago, hmm. but I just I didn't keep it up. I it, it I did it for like about a year, and I got to the point where I was sort of getting up to running about ten k's, whatever. But the thing that kind of pissed me off about running was that it made me hungry all the time and (laughs) i actually put on weight as i got fitter i put on weight and i was just i was really like this is i kind of felt like i'd been kind of sold off yeah totally ripped off so i stopped and the weight fell off so you know i mean it's not necessarily a healthy a guide to healthy living um (laughs) that i'm (laughs) <laughs>
1: yeah you, you should go and seek uh, you know a second opinion from a medical professional before taking the advice of this podcast
0: yes is it and and also too i should i forgot to i record a little intro before and i forgot to do my usual spiel where i say there's probably going to be a lot of explicit language and if explicit language isn't your thing just be warned that there will be because you know normally there is i forgot to do that so i'm doing it now
1: i don't know 10 years of radio i'm pretty good at not swearing into microphones but then it, it does happen it does happen so so i didn't because i to go to the gym this morning but no yes. normally i don't do very much uh, on, a, on a day where i don't have stuff i've always got stuff to do even though i don't have a job yeah you know you've always got stuff <laughs> to do whether it's writing songs or doing whatever but today i've got a we've got a friend's birthday coming up and um yep. and she's turning 40 and yep. so we decided we would make a um well we, we put a song together for for her um which we we did that by changing the lyrics of Five other songs, I think, just little snippets of them, to her name. Okay. Her name's Anita. So we right. turned um, Michael Jackson's Thriller uh, into It's Anita, It's Anita Wright, yeah. etc. Okay.
0: It's Anita, Anita, Anita. right?
1: No. You know she's turning that's... forty, but she's still looking all right. That's that's that sort of thing. <laughs> sort of, sort of thing. Now, this is an I exclusive. Love it. This I don't know if this it. has been heard outside the, uh, the, the walls of my house with my wife, but this will be broadcast <laughs> after the birthdays happen. So it's like a surprise party and everything. So it's all very exciting. And there's what we got. Um, you know, don't cry for me, Argentina, which becomes a birthday party for Anita. Um, that was that was my wife's Birthday
0: suggestion. party for Anita. Wow.
1: And, and then the, the bit at the end of it is, um, Jen, my wife, goes, Don't get so jealous, I'm turning 30. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, oh, Anita, you're so fine, you're so fine, I bl- you blow my mind. Um, Mickey, the yeah, 20 okay. Bezos
0: Yeah, that's... That's good. I mean, you know, if I'm going to be critical, it's like <laughs> Look, a little bit more, a little bit obvious. Okay. After yeah, the, Those true, first two, true, I was kind camp. of like, yeah. The,
1: but yeah. you've got to think this isn't just a song. This isn't just a five-song montage. This is, there's a video clip to go with this. And if you want to do a good video clip, you want to do Tony Basil's Mickey video clip.
0: Holy shit! So you're doing a video clip to go with it? Yeah,
1: This is what we've been doing today. We set up in front of. I've got one of the walls in my lounge room is kind of olive green, and so I figured it would work as a green screen. Which, incidentally, it does not. You- <laughs> Using like the the dodgy downloaded actually it's a pretty good video program that I downloaded from the internet. The green screen setting does not work on like olive walls are too similar to skin color. They're too similar to clothes. I think there's a reason <laughs> they call it a green screen. But uh, so we've but that's
0: an uh, that's an amazing amount of effort that you're going to for your yeah. friend. That's that's beautiful.
1: It's cheap. It's very cheap. We haven't had to spend any money.
0: But well, uh, no, but but as we all know, money—it's not about money, Lindsay. It's about time and effort and care. And it sounds like what you're doing ha- is a is is a is an abundance of riches. It's it, in it, the in the time and care and love uh, part of the equation.
1: At the uh, the the last song is "Total Eclipse of the Heart," which is an excellent song to sing very loudly. After, oh yeah! After a couple of uh, tequilas.
0: Definitely. So <laughs> that's what we've been doing today, putting all that together. And so you're nearly. Have you nearly finished? Or you still got a bit of work to go? I've
1: got to do. I've got to edit the uh, the the Mickey video clip, and then the Total clips of the Heart video clip, which um, is it's just going to be emotions, emotions running wild at the end of that. <laughs> I think the last bit is "You're totally forty years old," and then Jen goes, "But I'm only 30
0: Yeah, she's really just rubbing that in. <laughs> I'm trying not yeah. to bless her, but it works.
1: It works. If it, if it works for the song, you have to sometimes. You know, this you got to just um, suspend all emotion. You know, all uh, negative feelings. If it works for the song, you know, the song is all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the um, the first time Lindsay that I recall, because I just want to sort of, you know, for our listeners, for all three, all three of my listeners, I just want to sort of go back and just sort of uh, just explain, you know, the, the early days of our relationship. Now, mm. the first time that I recall seeing you, and I, I doubt whether, I, we didn't sort of talk or anything, but this is my first, earliest memory of seeing you, right? Mm-hmm. And I think I might have told you this before in on another time, but anyway, it was, I think it was at a pushover concert, uh, a pushover festival. But um, so basically they push over in '96 or '97. It was one of those years. Yes. And um, and it, and back when the docklands were basically these old um sort of empty uh, uh, warehouse kind of type things, and um, they used to have this big old ages uh festival uh, there, and and Friends of Rom, your band, mm-hmm. were playing, and Jeb and I were also playing. Friends of Rom had been around for a few years earlier, but I think you may have only sort of just recently joined the band at that I time. I think so. Is that-
1: was that, so that was the one that Silverchair played as well? Was that that one?
0: Could well have been. Could well have been. I just... I remember you. You had really, really long hair. Like, yeah. Um, almost uh, Almost ass length. Is it was that? stupid.
1: It got so stupidly long. And yep. Yep. yeah, it was just dumb.
0: Friends of Ron walked on to the Star Wars theme.
1: That seems like something we would do back then that's very 90s
0: isn't it i was very impressed oh that's all oh, so right at, at about the you know well because i mean well i think we're kind of a similar age but yeah. anyway, jeb and i were only a, a band you know we were probably only a couple of years into being a band and um, new to festivals and we'd already played our set you guys were playing after us and I remember watching it going, oh, wow, these guys have got walk-on music. You know, the crowd were, like, going crazy. It was, you know, to, to my innocent eyes and ears, I was a little bit like, oh, wow, you know, these, these East Coast bands really know how to put on a, put on a bit of razzle-dazzle, don't they? <laughs> we really pulled
1: the wool over your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I would have had no I was idea. impressed I, I, I don't, I I don't even think I owned impressed. a guitar by that point like a, a proper electric guitar I think I was borrowing my girlfriend's uncle's guitar for those gigs because <laughs> I didn't I only had like a, a, a Fender Strat copy and that wouldn't do in Friends Frenzelron right
0: so what was what guitar would you have? Found it is by? pretty cool
1: I, uh, my, my girlfriend at the time Liz her uncle was in uh, the Lime Spiders so he had a pretty cool uh, so I, was, I had the Lime Spiders Gibson SG Jed, Jed Corbin was his name is his name right yeah yeah but I, I had no idea what I was doing back then I, that, I think that was was that the day that Michael Hutchins died I think oh, that, it was, there was some weird um,
0: it was definitely well And when did Michael Hutchins die that was 97 wasn't it oh was it 97 96
1: I think we played two pushovers so maybe there was maybe I'm getting um, mixed up yeah, here yeah 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 there was yeah one of them one of them We. he definitely died on a pushover because we found out uh, about him dying because, with someone telling us a Michael Hutchins joke which I can't remember now. It's probably for the best. But, um, yeah. but I, 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 it was definitely, um, yeah. That was, maybe that was, the, that was the other one. Maybe there were. I still, I, I even if it was a, a year later, I still didn't know what the hell I was doing. I think did I come up to <laughs> did I did I come up to you guys and and mistake you guys for Finny Scad?
0: I think that was. <laughs> I think, oh my god! <laughs> just to pull a name out I, of the hat. I, I, I'm so glad that you mentioned Finny Scad though, yeah. because like Finny Scad. Uh, one of those bands that and I you know I hope this doesn't come across as um, uh, insulting or, or patronising in, in any way to, to the members of Finny Scat but they've kind of been adopted by uh, myself and my my friends in I was kind of like one of those sort of bands that um, how do I put this um, one of those kind of quintessential well they were like these '90s bands that came and went—is that really bad? No, I think to say it's that? no. They
1: were they were of their time. They were a band of their time. Yeah, and they shone yeah. in their time. They shone brightly, and that's what happens when you shine yes. brightly—you you burn out. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> were they from Western Australia? I don't. I don't know why. No,
0: no, they weren't. They weren't.
1: I've been getting ready for the punk rock J files I'm doing, and my God, or like half of the the punk rock explosion that happened on the east coast came from the west coast bands like the scientists yeah, and, and the victims who became who did ah. gurus and yeah i got i got yeah. your facts i got your facts mate I'd-
0: yeah it's interesting just to quickly go to that perth thing um you know perth had this uh, and it was kind of before my time and that's why i'm a little bit kind of ignorant to, to an extent but um the 80s in perth there were a lot of you know bands like the Triffords and the stems and yeah bands that were um really important Um, And like you said, the beginnings of bands like Hoodoo Gurus and stuff um, that were really important. And then I don't know what happened in the early 90s. Um, I guess there was a bit of a culture shift. And it certainly seemed to me when the late night, when the sort of mid to late 90s hit coming from Perth, the only band that really of our contemporaries that were really sort of doing anything outside of Perth was ammonia. Um, Drugs! and money um, that was a hit it was yeah yeah and they they were sort of the, yeah the only band at the time mm. that yeah were doing stuff and then um i guess when we were kind of going uh there was a band called effigy that yeah i remember mean, um, effigy they
1: sounded like um uh like you know that other cool that band oh you know that guy <laughs>
0: the guy that they reminded me a little bit of the pixies they were but like the Cure and the Pixies or
1: something. I, like I'm trying to think of the band that um, they reminded me of. Because I, I used to see them, that was before I joined Friends. All. I saw them play at um, Placebo. They reminded me of Placebo.
0: Ah, oh, right, okay.
1: And uh, yeah, because I saw them at, um, the, uni, at the uni that a friend of mine went to. What about Beaver Loop? They were going in Perth.
0: Yes, Beaver loop definitely, Yep. Well, let's put a stop to this, like, massive 90s nostalgia thing that we've fallen into. Because we are relevant musical
1: acts in 20s. That's
0: right, exactly, exactly. Um, So, uh, playing in Frenzel Rom, and then you started working at Triple J. I remember hearing you and Jay from Mm -hmm. Frenzel. Um, I think maybe you started off doing some weekend shifts, and then you... Started doing the breakfast show as well. Yeah. Oh, after that, that was you know you kind of graduated to the the breakfast show, and you ended up working at Triple J for quite a while, right? I mean, how many years were you? Yeah. That's amazing.
1: It was. It was. I. I had no idea at the at the start of it. Like it was because it it all happened without us sort of asking. At no point did we say, "Hey, can we do the breakfast show? Hey, can we, you know, forge a career in this?" It was just like, "Oh, you want us to do that? Really?" Adam and Will, you know, Adam Spencer and Will Anderson were on before us. And I hadn't really listened to Triple J much, sort of as a like a radio listener before that. But I started to listen to Adam and Will when we were on, and we even sat in for some of their shows. And they made us put their CDs away um, at, uh, when we were, <laughs> which is what you had to do. There was three hours worth of CDs <laughs> we're back on the shelves. That was how that was our internship with Adam and Will.
0: Holy shit! But uh, well, you wouldn't have to do that anymore, would you? Because nah.
1: I tell you, there was a great trick that Adam and Will used to play on us when we were doing overnights as a practice. We had to do. Um, uh, had to do uh, 6 hours or 5 hours from 5 till from 1 till 6 overnight before Adam and no, Will yeah. came in and so we would do those yeah. late night shows and they were wonderful. Yeah. But um and and you would say so you'd take 5 hours worth of CDs off the shelves at the start of your show which is like I don't know 12 CDs an hour so that's thousands and yeah. thousands of CDs surely mathematically speaking or 60 60 CDs but um so you, to, to make them make it easier to get them back on the shelves, you would um, you would leave you know you'd pull out the CD but pull the ones on either side of it out as well and leave them sticking out as a little bookmark. So when you get there, this giant 50,000 CDs in this giant library, you just look yeah. for the ones sticking out and slide them, slide them in. So Adam and will in their in their absolute uh, you know, beauty and benevolence to us, walked in before they started their show, walked into the library and immediately pushed in every one of those bookmarks. <laughs> 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 and I had forgotten about that until quite recently. <laughs> the,
0: the, the, it's funny that you bring up the library thing at, at uh, the ABC, though, because it is or at Triple J, it's pretty fucking impressive. Yeah, I mean, like for, and I, and I don't know what it's like now for people that have gr- sort of grown up with uh, with a digital music kind of being the norm, mm. but um, there's, there is something kind of quite uh, awesome about walking seeing that library and just walking through the the aisles of just like thousands and thousands of cds you know it's
1: do you do you remember when you got your foot your first cd is it not one you bought but the first jebediah cd like, do you remember actually yeah. getting that? Because that's something that probably doesn't happen anymore. People just, oh, my song's on iTunes now. It's been accepted or processed or whatever. Yeah,
0: that's- yeah. I mean, it's, but the, I guess that's like, you know, I'm still very much a product of my generation whereby, you know, for example, I've got a record that's, uh, well, it's out now as we, as we, as we speak, as this, as this podcast goes to air. And I'm still kind of, I haven't got the physical copy and there's something about mm. having the physical copy that kind of makes it real to me i still sort of have that connection to the f- physical thing that i can hold like when you know the artwork that we've worked on and the you know i know that like i need to hold it in my hands to be able to feel like oh okay it's the record is it's a real thing now yeah and i i don't know if i could ever feel that sort of sense of accomplishment if you will mm-hmm. um, if if i didn't have that physical if I didn't have that physical relationship,
1: and it's got so much more to it than just okay, this is the the CD. It's got the song or the songs on it, but it's also you know it's got the the cover art. It's got the the yeah. thank you list which you labour over. It's got all those spelling yeah. mistakes that you then have to you know, <laughs> live with. It's got all that stuff yeah. that's just in there yeah. and forever. And yeah, I kind of I haven't kept very. I'm not a very good um, archivist of that sort of stuff. I've got a fair bit of Frenzel stuff, but I don't like, I don't have. I don't have, like, a, I don't have the full set or anything, and I sort of, I yeah. see some stuff, and uh, I'm just like, because we're, we're putting out a Best Of uh, in oh, September, cool. which is going to be interesting. Yeah, so right. we own all our records, and we're just like, you know what? It's hard to get some of the earlier stuff. We've got them all. Let's just put them out. Do it, yeah. So going through everything, I was like, man, I, I would like to listen to those, but, like, actually look at, you know, go through the album and look at everything and look at all the stuff we decided yeah. on, and it's something that you can't really... Um, it's got so much stuff, so much more than just the music. So when you download an album, I mean I think on iTunes you can download cover art, but who then clicks on the PDF or Yeah. I like, what was the first thing that you guys what was the first um, like CD that you got back? Was it like an EP or a
0: Yeah, well the, the first EP that Jebed the first EP I ever recorded was with Jebidire and that was um, called Twitch and it came out in 96, like probably only 12 months after we first got together in a room and started playing together um so i mean it's terrible it's i think like (laughs) look i still have have a great affection for the songs Mm. but um production and the performance of those songs is you know it's pretty hard for me to listen to it on that level but i but i do still have a great affection for those songs when you take them out of the context of the record yeah
1: yeah, I got lucky. But, I waited till Frenzel got kind of good before I joined. So. <laughs> this, yeah, actually, I really like their first things they release. Anyway, but it's just it's a, a very different sounding sort of thing.
0: The first, actually, the first time I ever heard Frenzel Rom, I remember this as well. Um, is I was at like my girlfriend's house, and her cousin was like a surfer, and he was watching surfing DVDs. And Friends of Rom was like the soundtrack to these surfing DVDs, and he said, "Oh, yeah, you got this. Is, this band's really awesome. They're called Friends of Rom." And I thought he was saying "Friends of Rom." Oh yes, "Friends of Rom." I was going, "Fuck, that's a really weird band name." Like, <laughs> it's not as <laughs> weird I, as the actual more, band name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That actually, Friends of Rom actually kind of makes you know, some, makes more sense. Compared, okay, now I'm going to sound like a total dick. But where the fuck does Friends of Rom come from? Because I've never actually even thought of that it's before. It's actually
1: quite... It's interesting. Ben, the old guitarist... It's not interesting, interesting, but the actual story is vaguely interesting. Ben, the old guitarist, was uh, he was a science student, and he just had a science... Like, at, at uni, where Jason and Ben met each other, the singer and the first guitarist. And they just right. flicked through um, a science book till they found uh, a word, word that looked interesting, which was uh, Augustus Fresno, which was... A, he was a physicist, uh, and Frenot's right. Rom is a, uh, a prism thing, a light prism, refracting light prism. On the back of um, old sort of 90s vans, there's like, on on the back window, there's this kind of bubble of of light which helps you to see, I, I think it magnifies things or whatever, so you can see things coming better or something. That is uh, Freno's ROM.
0: It's amazing that like a, a band name that can come from, you know, such a sort of high sort of scientific... Yes um, exactly background. can <laughs> seem so It yeah, can
1: release such absolutely childish music. The, um, the, the, the thing I think shortly after that there was a someone had a rat named Frenzel in, associated with the band and so everyone just thought the band was named after the rat and so that was a much easier thing I was just named after the rat. But, uh, No no high scientific ideals. I don't think too many people have named themselves after a light refracting box. You know, I think there are several bands who have named themselves after characters in The Simpsons. So it's (laughs) sort of, you've got to choose which side you want to be on. Yeah, I I was such a a Frenzel nerd before I joined, though. Like, I I knew all that stuff. My favourite embarrassing Frenzel rum moment is uh, I saw them play at Sydney Uni, where I just started to go um, at the start of ninety (laughs) six. And oh yeah, yep. cheers, cheers, <laughs> <laughs> cheers that was, to that. That was my bottle of wine yeah. brushing oh, you gotta, up against my glass. Oh dear, you you live in the high life with your bottle. This is the sound <laughs> of my my glass hitting my wine container. Is plastic? Is, is, is glass on cardboard? I'm afraid. Um, yeah, yeah. And I went and saw Friends will play lunch gig, and um, I got them to sign the set list. And then I got the setlist framed to give to my then girlfriend Liz for her birthday. Wow. And uh, a couple of months later, I was in the band, which is you know uh, didn't bear well for our relationship or anything. But it was quite interesting. <laughs> it was quite uh, it was quite funny that you know, that was. You hey, remember that setlist? Well, I'm
0: in the band now. You old romantic, you. I know, getting <laughs> setlist signed. So okay, let's let's um get to music. I want to um, ask you. What's your earliest kind of memory of music? Um, where did you grow up, you know, and and um, what are your first kind of memories of discovering music? Um, obviously somebody like yourself who's devoted their entire adult life to playing in bands and being involved in music. Is there an early memory where, where maybe, you know, a switch was flicked in your head or like a, a light came on, a, you know, something that, that you can remember in of that fashion.
1: I, there was, I was actually talking about this the other day because um, I'm playing in this covers band with some friends just for a, for a wedding style thing. And um, we were talking about playing some Dire Straits. and the first okay. So you, you you learn you listen to music, and there's different sorts of different music. You learn different things with. And apparently, yep. when I was very young, um, I was a, as a kid was sort of dancing in the kitchen to um, uh, "Don't Like Mondays" by the Boomtown Rats, which is a very depressing song to dance around the kitchen to.
0: But it's kind of punk rock, though, right? I mean, that's, of, that's a yeah. pretty punk rock. That's pretty. Punk, that's kind yeah. of a bit of a punk rock beginning. It
1: that's is. cool. It is. It is. I'm sure Bob Geldof would be happy uh, happy with that. But yeah, I um. But then I remember listening. To um the brothers in arms album by Dire Straits at some family group thing, some sort of religious family group thing where a bunch of families all go away together.
0: Okay, that ain't punk rock.
1: That's no, no, no. There is nothing <laughs> punk rock about that. But uh, I, but I remember someone had a copy of Brothers in Arms and I remember listening to it and right. trying to work out why. Okay, so there's this band and they're playing and they're singing and stuff. But then there's this bit where they don't sing for a bit and it's like after the second chorus, what is that? And I worked out, oh, that's like the that's the the middle eight, that's the middle section. Oh man. Uh, no, it's like eight. I learnt the formula for, for for rock and roll. Yes. Yes. Verse, chorus, verse, chorus, middle bit, chorus, and then
0: see you later. There's so much magic in the middle eight because the middle eight, I've, you know, I listen to songs and I respect a really well written middle eight. You know, like there are some people that write really shit-ass middle eights. You know, they're almost just kind of there, like they're almost kind of like an afterthought. But then there are other songs where the middle eight is almost like it's like its own chorus, like it's.
1: Oh, that's the trick. If you can, if you can trick people into thinking, oh yeah, that's the chorus, and then after the second one of, oh yeah, that's the chorus, you kick in the motherfucker, then that's the trick. That's the that's the trick. Yeah, Yeah. and there's there's ways you can do it. Like you do, it's sort of it's similar to the chorus, but it's like um, the chords are moving half as fast or. that sort of thing. I was listening actually listening to the, the Frenzel thing, there's a couple of songs. Like, Oh yeah, that's right. We we did that and then we switch and also you change key. You're switching into a different key. Yeah. And yep. yeah, yeah. I um there's yeah, there's pl- I'm trying to think of there's any examples of that in the songs we're playing at this wedding thing. But um No, there's I'll tell you what one I love, which isn't technically a middle section. It's kind of, well, the song Eternal Flame by the Bangles
0: Oh yeah, great song great band Uh, just the other day we were driving in the car and i heard manic monday written by prince written by prince god rest his soul and um and manic monday by the bangle and i was just like you know fuck this is probably my favorite prince song you know because i was never really a big prince fan but i've always loved that song
1: yeah it's it's there's something about just the it's just They're just well written songs, but just the, the band, the Bangles, whoever played on the albums, and then I think they probably had a couple of extra musicians and stuff. But Eternal Flame is one of those ones. We're lucky. Yeah. And we've got a friend of ours, who, two two girls in this band who sing freaking amazingly. And, um, but uh, there's, so there's the, you know. Throwing your eyes, man, and man, 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 yeah, this down a bit, you know, with the yeah, gonna be an eternal flame. And That happens twice, but then there's the, the you think oh it's all nice and happy. And then. your
0: eyes, damn me Is that it? So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, <laughs> Say my name,
1: sunshine through <laughs> the rain. My whole life so lonely. Yeah, then like it's changing key. Come the pain. I yeah. don't wanna lose this so, feeling. No, no, it's just fucking. But, it's
0: you know, like I've told I've told people that uh, listen to this podcast that you know there's an anomaly with this this podcast in that it's in the music section, but we don't actually play any music. But this is the first time where something close to music being played is, even if it's just two dickheads sing singing eighties hits. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, but that's a great example. What a great example of a of a beautifully written middle age.
1: Yeah, it's just lifting. It lifts and it and it mm. and it plays, and then there's like a guitar, a little slightly little you know sort of nylon string guitar solo, and then they're just like fuck it, put it on again. Say my name, It's just so yeah it's, yeah, yeah, it's very very good. It's just that that feeling, that lifting feeling. When I, I um, there's a couple of moments in. There's other songs I'm trying to think of them now, but yeah, they just have that whew, that lifting. Feeling just that, um uh, what a fool believes by the Doobie Brothers with Christopher Cross. Yeah, yeah. that all that because because that chorus, he just jump, they just jump up a third, and I'm sure at some point it, they hadn't jumped up a third, and they just were like this is kind of alright, but let's just kick it up three steps and see how it goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's so so. Anyway, <laughs> Dire Straits was how I how I sort of found it, and also at the same yeah. time as getting into Brothers in Arms by Dire Straits, my mum i watched my first concert on tv didn't this wasn't my first live concert in person but mum put on the whispering jack um, john farnham concert and jesus christ it was good
0: i remember that man that was like simulcast on yeah so whatever the local fm station was it was an event families this is you know uh this would have been what like 80 late 80s It was an event, a TV event. It was on prime time. It was simulcast on your radio. You basically turned your TV down. You turned your stereo up. So you got the full FM stereo experience. And you watched the live John Farnham, Whispering Jack concert. And it was like a cultural a fucking event.
1: It was. It was. And I still remember so many things about it. I mean, that was the first time I'd heard Help by the Beatles. I'd never heard it until I heard John wow. Farnham do it. Um, yeah. He also did uh, With a Little Help from My Friends, I think. Yeah. His, oh, sorry. That's the same song. <laughs> um,
0: oh, no, no. It's
1: not. It's not. No, no. That's true, you're right. No, it's not. Uh, but he also... No, I also didn't realise it. And like, I remember... Sorry. I remember so many things about it. Like, um, the... Him being thrown multiple um, tambourines and dropping all of them, um, and this crazy, <laughs> this crazy dance that he used to do with his feet, where he would move his feet, uh, you know, slide them to the left, and then move the, his heels to the left, and his toes to the left, and his heels to the left.
0: Oh yeah, yeah.
1: And yeah. Um, him playing a guitar so hard, he broke all the strings, which I'm sure was a setup. Looking back on it now,
0: <laughs> I didn't even know he played guitar. Yeah, he did
1: that, and there was and Bre- yeah, just from one song, I don't know what it was. And Brett Gar said was the guitarist. And there was a Lindsay in the band too. Lindsay Field was the bass player. And of course, David Hirschfelder. I'm just this, nerd, I just need to know everything about artists. And so I'll be watching a band and I'll just have to look up everything about them. So yeah, uh, since then. Yeah, David Hirschfelder, who joined um, Little River Band about the same time as Glenn Short left. And um, yeah, they did that whole, uh, yeah, Playing to Win was a Little River Band song. Yeah. So yes, uh, i there's just something about those songs because they're just such. Big, big pop songs that yeah. um, it's just, yeah, and just his voice and stuff. Like, I've never done anything like it, but it just showed me how strong that sort of stuff is, you know. Yeah. And after that, you, you know, you get into all the boring the grunge stuff and the rock and 80s rock and stuff. But that was like my basis was in just loving really good, strong pop songs.
0: Where did you grow up, Lindy?
1: In the Sutherland Shire.
0: Yeah, right. Okay, the Shire. As very briefly made famous in a TV show that lasted a couple of weeks, but yeah, so we're talking for those of, you know that don't reside in um, Sydney or New South Wales, we're talking about sort of a, a southern suburb of Sydney. It probably takes what about half an hour to drive, or a bit yeah, long. about about thirty-five
1: on a good day. Yeah yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. South, yeah. So is it like around Cronulla?
1: Well, the, it's the we- I was from the western side of the shire. The, okay. the the good story is that I, in our school uniforms, if we got the train from. Um, St. Pat's, where I went to year 11 and 12, all the way to Cronulla and got off the train, they'd push us back on the train and tell us <laughs> to go back to the world. <laughs> I think, yeah, well, that, well, maybe that was when I was at St. John Bosco in uh, Engadin, where I went from years, well, year well, from kindergarten through to year 10, pretty much, because I went there primarily right. as well. So yeah, yeah, it yeah. Very, it's a very big Christian Bible-belty place, and um, yeah, there wasn't much... It was. De- I mean, I got laughed at for having long hair. I got laughed at for having colours in my hair. You know, all that sort of standard stuff in the mid-90s. Yeah. But, um, but it wasn't it wasn't bad. Looking back on it now, I mean, also Cronulla, of course, where the Cronulla riots were.
0: Which, unfortunately, you know, it's, and it's kind of sad that, yeah, like there's an immediate association with yeah. Cronulla now with those riots. It's kind of, uh, that's kind of made, made Cronulla famous. I mean, you know, as much as it kind of pains me to say it, It's probably the first thing I think about when I when I think about the place Cronulla
1: yeah no absolutely I mean I yeah I I, I can tell you I used to go to crass records a record shop that was there um but that's and I and yeah that's that's all I really remember oh and I went and saw one of my first ever gigs was going and seeing and it's pretty rad um magic dirt lawn smell and girling at the Wanda Surf Club which is one end of Cronulla Beach yeah, and that was right. pretty rad it was like 93 or something and it was freaking rad it was just do you remember that smell when you'd go to gigs uh, underage gigs and yes. the, the, there was like a
0: I know what you're gonna say it's the smoke machine it's the smoke
1: machines it's, it's just this smell that just, I associate with all of
0: that those things me too I have that too I'm so glad you've said that because I absolutely have the same thing and, and it's weird because you know then you go to play in a band and It like I it it took me a while to figure it out, but I honestly think well for me personally, I think that smell and I you know have this strong connection with this smell of going to all ages gigs. I think it came from the smoke machines.
1: I'm sure it was it was a a sort of a a um, a combination like some kind of um, gold being made from you know like the smoke machine and then the sweat of children.
0: Pheromones. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> it's not the yeah. same.
1: It's not. I don't smell it when I'm in mosh. Not that I'm in mosh pits very often now, but yeah. when I, you know, occasionally dip my nose into the mosh pit, it doesn't smell the same yeah. now. It's something about that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, like a, the sensory experience of when you're when you're a kid, an underage kid, going to gigs. Obviously, like you're engaging in the music, but it's so much more than that. There's just a vi- there's something visceral about it. You know, it's the smell of the smoke machines and the sweat. And the physical thing of, like, crowd surfing or doing all that kind of stuff. And it's such a, like, a, a wide kind of experience, right? Just And
1: also, like, you're identifying your tri- tribe from yeah. what you're wearing and stuff back then. Like, totally. Like, tracksuit pants and... Or, sorry, tracksuit pants underneath um, cut-off army pants. <laughs> <coughs> was definitely my sort of thing. And you'd see other yeah. people like that and having the same, um, you know, those backpacks. You used to have those canvas backpacks that you could ride on in texture.
0: Well, f- I remember, like, for me going to my first ledger shows it was kind of my first introduction to all the sort of um more marginal parts of the community of of the city or whatever you know it's sort of like i'd turn up to these gigs and i'd see like punk like hardcore punks you know with the big spiked up hair that went up like half a meter up above their head like heaps of you know, like leather and you know and jewelry and stuff and then you just and goths you know you'd see hardcore goths and it was kind of because the scene you know and I'm sort of talking about Perth in the early 90s the scene was pretty small so it was kind of a gathering place for all of these kind of subcultures and I was just a kid from the suburbs you know I was pretty green but I knew what I liked <laughs> and then when I turned up to those gigs and I just saw all these like I was just you know, given my first kind of introduction to all these subcultures, I was just like, this is so fucking cool. And
1: you didn't care, like, you didn't care if it wasn't the right genre of music or whatever. It was just, no. like I just wanted to get in there, like, you know, and just just hear loud stuff. <clears throat> I wanted to smell, you know, that smell, and also the smell of someone smoking marijuana in some area. Yeah, yeah. And all that sort, yeah. of, those sort of, and just feel like, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm a grown-up, man. I jumped yeah. on the train from the Shire. I've got to come back this uh, and be home before it gets dark, but... <laughs> Whether I'm, whether I'm whether I'm watching like uh, so many like I watch Spiderbait or Tumbleweed or um, Regurgitator yeah. or Umi Same. or yeah. uh, Custard or Frenzel Rom Front End Loader, um, yeah, to, and and yeah, I just like yeah,
0: this is it's very formative. You know, for me looking back at those times, like it was a really big. I didn't realise it at the time, although I'm I, I know I was kind of yearning for it in a way. But I mean, it really was kind of shaping. The kind of because you know I was in high school, getting towards the end of high school, and really was shaping my future in a way of like like you say, you know, this is my tribe. You know, this makes sense. This is the kind of world that excites me and that I want to be a part of. And it's kind of never gone away. It's yeah,
1: and I think even uh, though like I get into like lots of other so many other types of music, that um you know the 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 music that takes me back to that kind of a, a feeling is definitely something that I can still. You know, relate to on a you know more like visceral level. I can close my eyes yeah. and go, yeah, this band, you know, this. Th- I can feel the guitars, you know, where yeah. where they where they are there, and you know, that's, it's yeah, it's something that's inside there because that was yeah, it was what you. What you what was familiar to you then? It's what felt normal to you then.
0: So I asked you. Uh, I don't know if you if you have like a top twenty five most played list or something on iTunes. Or-
1: My top list at the moment is it's all messed up around things. It's around the things that I'm doing at the moment. So.
0: Yeah, well, that's cool. That's yeah, yeah.
1: Good. So, so, obviously, for the present that we're making for our friend Anita, I've got Thriller, I've got Don't Cry For Me, Argentina, Rosanna by Toto, Mickey by Tony Basil, and Total Clips of the Heart um, by Bonnie Tyler.
0: If, if you're looking at a list now, so what if, are you looking at a list from, like, 1 to 25, for example, or what if I sort of just threw a number at you? Yeah, yeah, okay, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what happens. Okay, how about number six?
1: It's actually, it, it comes in the form of a question which Melbourne band formed out of the ashes of Caustic Soda and Mid-Youth Crisis and went on to get their debut single into the Hottest 100 of 2001? Now, it's quite funny because uh, I believe they were put out, I believe...
0: Blue Lime Medic? Yeah, that's it. There we go, Blue Lime Medic. And the only reason that was, I, I thought of them straight away. The only reason I paused was because I just really didn't want to get it wrong. No, <laughs> no.
1: no, you don't.
0: So, Blue Line Medic, what's the song?
1: Making the Nouveau Riche.
0: Ah, oh, brilliant What a
1: song. I played it in, Um, I, I played like a, I put together a, I was playing at a friend's gig, at a Nancy Vandal gig, actually, and um, they, I just did some acoustic stuff, and so I just did a 90s jukebox, and that was one yep. of the songs, which technically is not exactly 90s, just after the 90s, but um, yeah, what a song. That was one of those bands that, you know, like, when I started Triple J, my, my genre blink has got completely pulled off, you know, but... After a few years of only listening to punk rock but then hearing a band like Blue Line Medic who just, you know, say, yeah, yeah, this is, punk rock can be this but it can also be this.
0: Yeah, Blue Line Medic were a fascinating band to me and just join me in sort of filling in a little bit of the holes of history and stuff here but um, Red Line Records, which was a, a short-lived label that Jeb and I kind of put together um, in the sort of around 99, 2000 we uh, released a, a couple of uh, Blue Line Medic records and, and an EP as well and blue Eyed medic were a fascinating band to me because they were a punk rock band but they weren't you they certainly weren't your average punk rock band there was almost something a little bit kind of uh, pu- like pub rocky almost midnight oilish about them you know and he sang um uh, donnie the s- singer uh sang in a real sort of australian accent with a, there was a real australianness I
1: remember a band called... Um, like the Spy vs. Spy, I think I remember listening to them and going, oh, yeah, I think I see the same thing. Because it's... They didn't have the full... Like, there was very very similar to Midnight Oil in the musicality, but didn't have mm-hmm. the same kind of... It wasn't just take a take an anthemic thing to preach about and preach about it kind of thing. Yeah. It was... V- Spy vs. Spy sort of did this... Yeah, you know, anthemic choruses, but also... The, the kind of told a story, weave you into this into this thought space, his headspace. Definitely, yeah. and It was yeah. It was, it was just bloody good. Gordy, um, our, our drummer, he's the the DJ in our Tarago or whatever you drive these days. Okay, yep, yep. And yeah, and at some point, if the trip, you know, depending on the length of the trip, is whether he'll ve- ve- venture out of Beatles territory. Right or, you know, or get into... You go from Beatles to death metal to, you know, to black metal back to the Beatles. <laughs> you know, he starts... and he, Eventually, you know, you will get to Blue Eyed Medic, and it's the same thing that... Um, what was that? Out there? No, the, not The Apology Wars, but a working title in Green, the EP before it, I think, was, um, yeah, something that he always puts on. And, yeah, but it's just... It's just good. It's just good music, and it's... I wasn't very much into emotions, and so they kind of, you know, they, it's okay to have emotions. It's all right. It's okay.
0: But I think they kind of... Um had a really good balance. I mean, like, there was a lot of intelligence to that band, you know, and, and, and his lyrics and, yeah, there was just, I mean, it's hard for me to kind of enunciate, but there was just something very specifically Australian and real and intelligent, but also it it carried with it all that sort of, I mean, it's almost like, almost a like early something for Kate as well, you know, they had that sort of, like, the first kind of something for Kate stuff. Was really fucking you know noisy and loud and had a real kind of punk rock.
1: Yeah, that something for Kate. And also when they came back and did there was one album where they where something for Kate went right back to that as well. I, I fucking love something for Kate and it's just you know he's yeah. one of, Dempsey's one of those guys. You just want to punch you in the throat.
0: Yeah, he's so good you just want to hate him, right? <laughs>
1: you know he uh, he was a couple of years ago he had some real bad pneumonia and um, he was even telling the story. I think it was on radio. I can't remember, but he um, he took. Some um uh, he was like he diagnosed with some steroids, oh, yeah, and he also had an injection of um pills, some you know some cold and flu stuff, or whatever, so he got an injection yeah. just in his oh, but he took these steroids he he'd never sung better, and for like six weeks or something, he had the greatest voice, like he said oh. he, he said he, his voice was better than ever, and I'm like, what
0: you get that
1: he, he found I a I way that
0: all the time, all the time, damn it, yes,
1: <laughs> and also <laughs> i think, I think his mum was a singer, and I think she even like told him the occasional cigarette's good for your voice or something
0: yeah well look you know going back to talking about john farnham you know I, i'm i think you know he said that uh you know smoking never did
1: his voice any harm so true it's a, I, I, I loved finding out how much that album everything was writing on that album for him because i just thought he was just this star but he was like that was the end if, if whispering jack hadn't worked for farnsey that would have been it i remember my mum used to tell me to try and be more like you know because he
0: Be more like Farnsey, is that what she said? No, he
1: dressed nicely and stuff. I was like, (laughs) Mum, John (laughs) Farn smoke
0: Okay, let's uh, go another song. How about if I throw the number two at you? What have you got at number All two? All
1: right, uh, I'm not going to do the quiz. I'll do the... Um, you're lucky I didn't do the fake wedding set list um, for... Because <laughs> number six was All for Love by um, by Sting, Brian Adams and Rod Stewart. Oh,
0: let's <laughs> skip that.
1: Um, but number two uh, on that one, number two on that one is You May Be Right by Billy Joel.
0: Oh, yeah, right. You May Be Right. Uh, look, I'm a big Billy Joel fan. Yeah, yeah. Billy Joel's... There was... When he in like 70s kind of Billy Joel, like early Billy Joel, he was a fucking angry young man. Yeah, yeah. There's some,
1: there, there are some, you know, songs where he, before before it was all about soul and, and all that kind of stuff. I
0: think kind of everything up to um, uh, Innocent Man.
1: Yeah, that He's, is good. I mean, the...
0: Everything up to there is good. After Innocent Man, I'm kind of like, nah. <laughs> nah, sorry, Billy. I'm jumping off. But... Before that, um, I'm totally on board.
1: Yeah, and that's, and like, you know, that. Um, uh, was it, you want,
0: you want to be a big shot, don't, ja, don't, yeah, that yeah, like yeah. sort of stuff, yeah, like, just man. sort of,
1: because he obviously had that's the chops.
0: Lingering. He was an angry man,
1: and that uh-huh. yeah, 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 that was that was man, that was that was seventies, wasn't it? And um,
0: yeah, uh, honesty,
1: such a lonely word, <laughs> but hardly ever heard. <laughs> it's yeah. good, it's good stuff. It's, uh, it, it I mean, there, uh, I love because um, uh, we didn't start the fire, which is just ridiculous. It was he wrote yeah. it to to sell to a rapper, but a rapper didn't want it or something, so he just he did it himself.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it kind of begs the question, uh, maybe that uh, I don't know. Does something happen? Like, do you just what something happens when you get old? And uh,
1: I don't know. yeah, but then not. I mean, not for everyone. I mean, there's a lot of there's some people.
0: That's true. Yeah, that's true. I mean, Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan's never. Uh, yeah, you know.
1: he's never written a song for a. <laughs> but maybe it's it's getting old in the '90s. You know, and a lot of people like you. Yeah. You see <clears throat> various bands like you know '80s glam bands. Who in the nineties suddenly had go- had goatees and it was just fucking embarrassing, you know? I mean, everyone yeah. who had a goatee in the nineties, you know, myself included, was embarrassing.
0: <laughs> I didn't have a goatee. I had the uh, I had the chin strap.
1: Oh, you did? Yeah, just the bin under the chin there strap
0: for probably about three years. Yeah, <laughs> the chin strap was, you know, I thought it was cool at the time, but now I look back and go, yeah, probably wasn't that.
1: Probably not. Yeah, I don't know. But the, it's the nineties. Do you ever like the other thing think, and I wish I I wish I'd sort of dress better in the 90s and like not yeah. look so silly but no, nah, it's just it's, it's what we did
0: but the thing is too that I think now as you know as a as a uh, 38 year old I often think like young like kids you know when I, mean, I talk about kids you know like teenagers people in their early 20s they can kind of get away with anything because youth is kind of the overriding thing like if you're young you can get away with anything you and you can pretty much like you can wear anything and one time i was on tour uh with paul kelly and his band uh, back in 2008 right and we were i did like a wa regional tour with him and his band and i was traveling with the because so i was just playing solo so i just traveled with them in the car and stuff and and there and his drummer peter luscom mm-hmm. um, um, said something that i've never forgotten right we turned up to this uh we were in kalgoorlie and we played in kalgoorlie the night before and the next day, we stopped off at this shop because everyone was like, "This is a great shop. They sell all these awesome, like, vintage, you know, Western shirts and stuff." And everyone's really excited. They pile out of the van to to go and um, buy their old used clothes. And but Peter Luscombe's just stayed sitting in the van. And I turned around to him and said, "Oh, you're not going to come out and 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 do some shopping?" And he said, "And Peter Luscombe's, you know, and oh, you know, he's an older guy. I'm not sure how old he is, but." Um, you know he said to me look um, you know when you're young wearing second hand clothes is cool but when you're my age you just end up looking like a Darrow <laughs> <laughs> and I've never forgotten it you know I've, it's <laughs> it's a shame it's a
1: shame because I, I I'm sure I'm the age that Peter Luskin was then I'm
0: sure I still wear second hand clothes <laughs> no no I don't think so I don't think so
1: I don't know. I'm, I can't do uh, like our drummers, like all about buying, uh, you know, five dollar shirts from Target and stuff. And I'm just like, I'm just gonna go and buy a five dollar shirt from from the Red Cross. It's just the same. It's, you know, someone probably died <laughs> in it, but it's fine. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, Pete Luskin what a lovely man. What, a, yeah. A, a, that's that sort of things. I, I went and saw. I've seen Paul Kelly a bunch of times, and I I once took this friend of mine. And uh, it was actually, it was, it was Paul Kelly and um, ne- and Neil Finn playing together at Opera House, which wow. was so rad. And we got to go upstairs. Um, I think um, Dan Kelly was in Ke- Paul Kelly's band. Yeah. So he let us yeah. up and let us drink the fancy whiskey and stuff. It was so yeah. good. And then my, my friend, Christine, is almost positive that Paul Kelly tried to pick her up. <laughs> <laughs> like i'm sure i'm sure he was just being gentlemanly completely but he she's like yeah he, he asked me out to uh to eat and then sort of said ask me if if he could come around and cook for me at my house i was like i, I, <laughs> I think it's, yeah. it's just that that nice that nice uncle way of
0: doing things it's just yeah yeah the gentlemanly pickup
1: no but i just i had just i had just um watched the doco <laughs> on and uh you know there's there's various wives and girlfriends throughout the Paul Kelly story. I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> very. You know, this is like Australia's greatest living songwriter, and I just yeah. try to pick me mate up. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> Cheers to her door, etc. <laughs>
0: All right, so we'll do one more song, and you know, I might as well just go. What's number? You know, what's number one on one of your lists?
1: Uh, well, that's the uh, the list of. Oh, I got yeah, that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that one. Where is that? It's up here. So I've got two screens going. Uh, Let It Be Known by Briggs, off Briggs' album, oh, cool. Shep Life. Uh, it's the first track on Shep Life because uh, I get to play in uh, in Briggs' live band.
0: So you've got that on there because like, you're learning the song. Well, right? I've learned...
1: I, I pulled this up because um, I'm doing... At Big Sound in Brisbane, I'm interviewing Briggs and Trials from Funkoors. And um, so I pulled up all my old um, notes on him. And so... Let it be known, D minor. I can do the backwards guitar stuff at the start if you need it, and then single note riff in the verses, and can noodle around in the quiet bit. That was my email to Briggs <laughs> about that song.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it tell me, tell us about Briggs because I think he's a fascinating character, and you obviously know him well. So. He's
1: amazing. He's he's uh, yeah. He's he's from Shepparton. He uh, he's of the Yorta Yorta people. Um, he's just freaking great. He um, he used to be pretty rough and used to get on it a fair bit doesn't anymore uh, yeah he's just really he's smart and he just it's just good seeing someone who's not you know he, he's not talking shit about people he's just telling the truth about stuff and so yeah. you know he'll be in the rehearsal room and mention someone and he'll just go I don't like that person and he'll tell you why and you're like oh okay okay that's fine whatever and, and, and also but also because obviously you're coming into a room with you know, Briggs in the band and um, and James and Katie from Seattle who are been involved in in music of all cultures for, for many years and so yeah. i'm this white dude from England going oh i'm gonna yeah, say yeah. something wrong i'm gonna do oh no <laughs> should i wear blackface no i shouldn't wear blackface <laughs> <laughs> probably the wrong thing to do didn't but um but yeah but then you just realize that you know these people they 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 they, they, they trust your character you know they got they got me in the band because they think that i'm an okay dude apart from the fact that i can noodle around in the quiet bit um that so uh, yeah it was um yeah, it's it's just it's just it's very nice. It's and it's weird to be in a band where everyone's so nice, like do because you, you know you, you. I mean, this is this. I've just said he talks shit about everyone, but to each other are so nice and so supportive yeah. and stuff. And I think you know, in friends or rom, it's basically just us trying to out talk shit about each other. Yeah,
0: um, I mean, I imagine with someone like Briggs too. You know, like there's a the, you know his politics are very. Um, like they're a major part of his music, right? You couldn't you couldn't separate them, you know. Would that be a fair thing to say?
1: Yeah, that's why I was like, I'm going to make sure, you know. I was like, I'm going to make sure I do the right thing. Am I going to wear what sort of shirt should I wear on stage? Should I wear a, you know, like a, a statement shirt? You know, I've got these, you know, I've got got the shirts that I bought at at and you know, on, on, on Independence Day, uh, sorry, Invasion Day. Should I wear that? No, um, yeah. but yeah, no, it's it's just yeah, he 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 talks about that stuff a lot, but he also talks about cool stuff you know and fucking and, and he loves punk rock as well like he yeah. knows a lot about random punk rock that I don't even know about like you know which yeah. is kind of good um, but yeah he's and he's just he's fucking funny like he's, his anger is is very well deserved but he also channels it so well into mm. real fucking good humour and stuff like I sent him a text when all, all the shit went down about um one of the various blackface, blackface fucking ridiculouses yeah And I was like, "You okay, man? Like, you know, just." And he goes, "Yeah, it's cool. I'm chilling. I'm just doing a thing." And the next thing I know, the thing he was doing, oh, that's right. It wasn't. It was. He just received that um that uh, voicemail message from the footy club, from the um, Frankston Footy Club. (laughs) And he yep. was on today tonight or something just they were filming him standing in his street in um, reservoir just listening to it <laughs> just listening to the fucking <laughs> it was like yeah I'm just chilling <laughs> it's rad and and he just he's just doing it at the moment doing what he wanted like he started making hip hop because that's what he wanted to do and kind of got sick of it because people were trying to pigeonhole him or whatever and you know yeah. hip hop in Australia is such a white thing.
0: I know but this and this is what's great you know as, a, as an observer I don't know Briggs I've never met him um but as an as an outside observer i'm just so fucking glad that there is an indigenous voice and and i think it's great that like it's hip hop too you know because that it just there's something about that that just fucking makes sense you know um and he's like got such a strong voice um and it's it's you know in a way his kind of political voice almost is, is um from when it comes to kind of mainstream australia anyway is almost more powerful than the music in a way because he's got such an important he's got such an important voice you know and i'm so glad that he's he's there that he's, he's being listened it. to
1: he's being yeah, yeah. It's, and and also he's he's on fucking amazing tv shows and clever man the show yeah. that's been on for a few weeks now is freaking amazing and black comedy was so this this second season of black comedy fucking streets ahead of the one before he's just you he, he's, he's got a, a strong voice we we played a couple of shows and we kept the first song we played so we, we we were sort of vamp on this song and then he'd come out and um it was a song by a band who a band of um of uh of native americans um right. i'm just trying to remember the name of the band but the song is called come and get your love and so Katie comes out and sings a verse, and we're all doing this. Come and get your love. They're called Redbone is the band. And then he comes out and just going, like, you know, everyone knows him as a rapper. And he's going, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the matter with your and a <laughs> It's just, it's, everyone's just going, whoa. He's just like crooning at them. You know, it's just, yeah. It, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's a good, fun thing to do. And yeah. it just feels pretty rad. And yeah, al- although yeah. most of the time I'm trying to get my loops in time with the drums so I'm not really focused. <laughs> yeah, so he's he's going to be up at um at Big Sound in Brisbane and it's going to be rad him and him and um and trials.
0: Yeah, that's great. I mean, there must yeah, that must be an awesome an awesome thing for you to be involved in, you know, that probably um probably you wouldn't have predicted a few years
1: ago. I'm I'm playing at a Darwin festival with Katie Baker from Seattle. She's doing some solo stuff and I'm playing guitar for her up there as well. Like I would never have got to do that just from jumping around on stage. Well, I guess I kind of did from Frenzel because Briggs knew I could play guitar. But yeah, it's just, it's, you know, you know how much fun it is to go and just play a different sort of music or a different tempo or a different beat. It's just,
0: yeah. You know, know, every time that I play a gig and I look out to the crowd, you know, it's, it's, it's white people. It's hundred percent white people. I don't know. It's just kind of like I can imagine how great it would be to be involved in a music that kind of just puts you in front of some different people, you know, like puts you into a position where you're a part of a a different community. And I think that stuff's really important.
1: Like Frenzel toured South Africa, and I don't remember seeing like it was definitely ninety percent white people at these shows. Yeah. And uh, you know when we played in Northern Territory, and it's kind of the same. But then yeah, we like with Briggs played in at, at Footscray at this um at this festival there, and it was just you know a whole bunch of faces, a whole bunch of Indigenous people dancing and jumping around, and the same. So and um, we played at Mumba as well. It's like fucking so good. How do, yeah. we, how do we how do we how do how do bands you know how to do, how does how, do, how do white australian bands to use a really dumb term get to do that and i think the thing yeah. is you know what Courtney barnett did a couple of weekends ago go and play barunga festival which is 200 uh, 200 clicks outside of darwin or maybe 500 clicks or something you yeah, go yeah. and play festivals like that or for there to be more festivals like that where yeah. you're kind of pulled outside of the standard places and um yeah, and just go and um, and just fucking do it, yeah. you know. But you've got to, I guess, yeah. you've got to be invited. You got, got to, you got know, to be in the thing. So I'm, I'm stoked to get to go to mm. play Darwin Festival with Katie's band. And there's this other band there. They've been playing music for 20 years, but they've only played about um, 15 gigs. They're called Narbalek and they're from five hours drive outside of Darwin, and they're playing there as well. And it's going to be rad. It's awesome. just, I just love that. I'm just, it's a, it's a very funny situation to find myself in as a 38-year-old dude getting to like...
0: It's <laughs> fantastic. It's fantastic. So great. Okay. Um, we're going to wrap things up because we've been... And thank you so much, Lindsay, for taking the time do this for me. I really, really appreciate it. So I just want to kind of finish up with a bit of a... I don't know. It's a, I'm, I'm not even sure how to... I'm, I'm still working out how to ask this question, but I'm just kind of interested to know about how uh, music... Uh, an example or some way in which you know music has kind of formed your uh your your life as an adult you know how it's m- turned you into the person that you are today you know yeah if there's something that you can kind of think about where it's kind of changed the way that you feel about stuff or it's changed your politics maybe you know I mean the brig the brig stuff is uh, is a good example of that you know like I'm sure it's it's no accident that you've Ended up working with someone like Briggs. I mean, that's probably, if you think about it, come from years of being uh, interested in, um, you know, progressive politics and all that kind of stuff. Like,
1: it's hard because everything kind of music is the like. I I'd never had a career path as I'm sure you didn't at all either. Like every music's pushed me in every direction. So you know, l- like joining Frenzel Rom, which led me to leave uni, and then um, yeah. Frenzel Rom led me into Triple J, and Triple J. Right. Is how I met Briggs, um, and you know I, all of that kind of stuff. I mean, to be really um, cheesy about it, um, we uh, we we were supposed to play. Frenzel was supposed to play. No, sorry, I was supposed to go to Splendor in the Grass. I've been to Splendor in the Grass pretty much every year since it started. Frenzel played the first two, and then from then on, I was working at Triple J, I think, and I've just been to Splendor in the Grass every single time. And um, in 2011, I'm guessing it was. Um, I because I'm really hopeless with keeping um dates, uh, like telling our Frenzel's manager and dates and things, and like what's what's and so I was like, yeah, I, I don't think there's anything on. And so he booked some shows, and it was bloody the same date as Splinter in the Grass, and I was supposed to go and work there for Triple J, and I got in trouble, and it was all right. And I, and I was like, I'm sorry, I can't. Frenzel's already announced these shows, and so um, we had to play them anyway, and it's like, I think I missed. Yeah, like I don't think there was there was no one that I really wanted to see, but every splendor in the grass is kind of cool. I don't know, it's probably some, you know, I don't know. Anyway, but um, I instead went and played. We went. We had we played in Canberra one night and then we did it. recorded a video clip the next morning and i hadn't slept for um the bird attack the silly song from our last album
0: yeah 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 i remember that <laughs> and i'd
1: been up all night like cuz it was uh, my brother's had come to Canberra and we just all uh, up all night at the various pubs there was very open very yeah. late there and um and in the video clip to bird attack the start of it we're all eating chips on this plate and um the chips aren't real they're cgi'd in so we had nothing to eat it was like the uh, the director he promised promised us chips and then we got there and he said oh the chip shop wasn't open so i'll just cgi them in later (laughs) anyway then we had to go and play jinderbine that night and um this is like you know so i i felt i felt horrible because we played in canberra canberra show was all right at at the anu bar it wasn't sort of sold out or anything wasn't wasn't that full but it was okay and then did this video clip, felt horrible, got to the snow and I didn't really have any interest in the snow and it's freezing and stuff. Anyway, played a gig, blah, blah, blah. Afterwards, at the, um, at the sort of in the in the front bar where we were hanging out with um, No Use for a Name, who were playing these two shows, this American band. Um, and um, for various reasons, I was sort of trying to stay away from, there was someone there who was kind of annoying me, this girl. And everywhere. And so I sort of got fixated on this bar girl who was in the, was working at the, um, at the in the front bar, who hadn't seen our set, didn't really know anything about Frenzel Rom, thought that yep. Never Had So Much Fun was a Pennywise song. <laughs> um, obviously, this is the woman that I married. So it wow. was a pretty rad. Just threw a, um, a, a complete sort of balls up on my part. Um, but to do with music, because as a result of having to play in Frenzel Rom, I ended up, you know, sort of making a, a completely random choice that ended up completely changing my life and it has and and it's you know what happens when you
0: it's almost kind of like you you know it's almost like a you're subconsciously kind of just putting your faith in something a little bit you know like even if you're not consciously doing it just putting your faith in this fucking thing that you love and just by virtue of you know grace or luck or whatever it just works out you know and because i've got a, you know similar story you know i met my wife because of music as well and and yeah it's not a conscious thing it's just this it's just kind of putting your faith in the love that you have for music and <clears throat> it sets you off on this crazy fucking path and all these amazing things happen so
1: many things so many things that just wouldn't have happened like i, I would have finished an arts degree and probably just been you know, hanging out in the Sutherland Shire like a lot of my friends do. And a lot of my friends from school are doing very, very well. But it's just, I get to do, you know, it's the most ridiculous thing. And you always think, man, what if I, you know, if I kicked up a bigger stink and ended up going to Splendour in the Grass and didn't meet Jen or, or any of the things? Yeah, what if, yeah. for whatever reason, I didn't hear that uh, ad on the radio sell- telling me that friends all Run were looking for a guitarist? Like, it's yeah. those stupid things, you know. I mean, yeah. I, I, I feel embarrassed by how lucky I've been because I haven't had to do too much yeah, work. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. once I get the job, I do all the work, but I haven't had to do that to get the jobs in the first place, which is kind of why a year and a half after leaving Triple J, I'm still unemployed.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I'm sure you won't be for long, Lindsay.
1: <laughs> Take this podcast, sorry, this Bobcast as my uh, job application, uh, <laughs> prospective employer, whoever you are, and contact me at, uh, at my Twitter page. <laughs>
0: Uh, Lindsay McDougall, thank you so much for chatting to me. I really, really appreciate it. Um, and yeah, I, uh, you know, I'm sure I'll, I'll see you again around the traps very, very soon.
1: Are you doing shows? Are you have you got shows?
0: Yeah, yep. Yeah, I'm touring in August. Uh, what about Frenzel? So you got so Frenzel's got your best of coming out later in the year, and then
1: we're touring in September. Um, we're gonna do one of those tours where um the the people on Facebook like our Facebook fans um choose the set list.
0: No, oh, you're fucked. you're gonna have to learn you're gonna have to learn all sorts of fucking songs that you never wanted to play. I
1: think I know <laughs> I think I know most of them anyway. Uh, Jason <laughs> Jason has to learn the fucking lyrics. imagine having to learn all the lyrics yeah, God no, no. all I have to do is like learn you know four the, the the four chords in four different configurations and then jump around like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> the singers are the ones that have to learn the, the lyrics.
0: <laughs> Alright, thank you so much.
1: You too, man.